This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind, Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on. Well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fakethenation and use the code fakethenation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 279. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we lament the fact that the Staples Center in Los Angeles is going to be renamed Crypto.com, which for a brief moment made me feel like nothing was real. Uh, I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and don't worry, right after I worried that nothing was real, I luxuriated in a nice cup of instant oatmeal, and then I was fine. So uh, everyone should try that whenever they have like an existential crisis. Um, today... Oh my gosh, I'm so excited by today's panel. So, you know her, you love her. She's been been on the show, um, just providing her brilliance and sharp wit so many times. You've maybe even already downloaded her album, uh, So You Just Out Here, because she is a fine comedian on the circuit today. Um, so, And if you haven't, please go get So You Just Out Here. It is the one and only Shalewa Sharp. Hey, Shalewa. Hello. How you doing? Oh, my God. I've, I'm so much better now that you're here. <laughs> um, we are also joined for the first time, but I warned him it's probably not his last. Uh, because I can already tell that he's super delightful. He is the New York Times bestselling author of the book, uh, house fires, which just looks remarkable, but you might know him as just an internet content creator extraordinaire. He does so much. It is the one and only Connor Franta. Hey, Connor. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, well, folks, let's just get into it with topic number one. So there's a new university brewing. It's going to be called the University of Austin, and it's being birthed because they say mainstream academia suppresses, they as in the founders, uh, say that mainstream academia suppresses intellectual dissent, and they claim to be alarmed by, quote, the illiberalism and censoriousness prevalent in America's most prestigious universities. Uh, its founders include, or I don't know if their founders are on the advisory board, but these people include Barry Weiss. Um, Neil Ferguson, Barry, Barry Weiss, who you might know as the former opinion, uh, uh, former opinion editor at the Times. Neil Ferguson from the Hoover Institution, Heather Hang, an evolutionary biologist, Joe Lonsdale, a technology entrepreneur. Um, a couple of those names are a little, I don't know, triggering to some. But let's get back to the central conceit of why the university is being founded. This claim that censoriousness is prevalent. Do you find that um, in American universities? What's your feeling about what universities are doing these days, Shalewa? Well, I dropped out of college in 1991. So (laughs) my issues are probably more of like, diversify the cereal choices we can't (laughs) all just live on captain crunch right no yeah yeah um it it feels a little uh i i have not seen the movie pcu but it feels like that where it's just um let's make a school everyone do you know what i mean a little clubhousey and and right. Austin mm-hmm. feels like the right place to do it because there are plenty of other colleges and it's it's a party town. Um, so why not uh, be contrary over drinks? Well, Shalewa, well, you're a lo- around a lot of comedians. And a question that I get when I perform at colleges and universities, mm-hmm. and I get this like truly, I'll get, you know, the all they'll announce me, you know, performing at a school and then the school newspaper will interview me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and invariably, I get the question, you know, so Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock don't <laughs> do colleges and universities anymore. What do you think of that? So that's my question to you, Shalewa. What do you mm-hmm. think of that? Uh, I think that is their right as Americans. Um, I, I, I think I kind of understand why they, why they don't. Um, colleges are... Um, weirdly precious right Whoa, uh you're you know they're precious. very yeah, precious like about their their cargo aka their students um and and they want to be careful as they're sending them out into the world but i mean they literally are just throwing them out at, after graduation giving them like a summer and then going hey do you want to like give us some money so it, it's an odd kind of way to be careful about uh this the students um but it's also a time where you are learning a lot about just how the world works. And I can see being established, being older, wanting to talk about what you want to talk about, not worrying about these pre- this precious cargo. Uh, Connor, what, what, did you, what did you think when you heard the news? Uh, because the thing is, this University of Austin got a lot of attention when they announced it. Um, again, because I think people like Barry Weiss and Neil Ferguson, who weirdly I met in Mexico City. Um, but, it's, you know, they are behind it and they're like pretty divisive figures. So what was, what was your take? I mean, I guess on the controversy or just on the formation of the college itself. I mean, I'm also someone that 
barely has an opinion on college purely because I dropped out in 2013. So <laughs> Okay, so they are. never fixed I, any of those problems. Yeah, I went to I went to pursue <laughs> I went to pursue a magical career in online creation. Oops. Wow, that's Wait, exactly what how how much time did you do before you dropped out? I did two years to be fair. And to be fair, I also didn't dislike my experience. I had uh, you know, decent, decent grades and everything. I just, it was like opportunity met me and I got, right, right. I had a, I had my two, two paths to pick. Right. Which one am I going to pick? So did you feel in those two years that, what, what did you, that, I mean, I guess the, the issue of that colleges are censorious and you can't have a diversity of that. Did you feel that in 2013 before you dropped out or what did, what did your school feel like? I think my, I had sort of an awakening after I left college, which a lot of people do. Like we, we mentioned, you're not fully developed as yeah. a person when you're, when you're yeah. 18 to 21, 22, you're bare, you're kind of just beginning your journey in that sense. Right. So I feel like when I left and I moved to uh, a bigger city and I met a more diverse group of people and, you know, really threw myself into the reality of this world, that's when I started feeling like I was seeing the world for what it truly was. So in college, in my, you know, small private school in the Midwest, it it just it it did for it did feel censored even if they weren't trying to be. It was like this isn't depicting reality. We aren't talking about what's really going on. So I see why they would want to create a university like this, but I don't know if it's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, it's weird to me. Okay, as someone who did go to college and then many other degrees, um, <laughs> I brag I about it. <laughs> no, and I guess what? Like nearly every episode, it comes up. But um, I, uh, I, so I was looking up to see. When, when I was at school, we had something called the Cornell Review, which was a conservative newspaper. And I was sort of like, oh, I wonder if the Cornell Review is still alive because it's, um, it, you know, in this particular climate, it might be hard to run a conservative newspaper. Um, but I at the time, it's not like they were beloved when I went to school, but they were, you know, they had a nice... Uh, core group uh they you know what i mean we we they walked amongst us they were invited to our parties like vampires yeah exactly 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 no but i mean it, it i it's possible i even made out with someone who wrote for the cornell review i'm just saying it is a possibility i cannot confirm nor deny but uh i i looked on the website to see if they're still around and they are in fact still around like basically um, nurturing and developing, and I don't, I'm not mad at this, nurturing and developing conservative minds in the 18 to 22 year old demographic, mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is great. Like that's another point of view. So part of the, um, the claim that universities, and again, this is a sample set of one Cornell university, but like part of the claim that schools are not, um, open to other forms of opinion felt a little hollow to me just by this one Google search, <laughs> I don't, which I'm in, I'm, I'm ridiculous for even citing it, but it did feel like, oh, look, they literally just put, you know, had a new piece up today. So this feels like, um, ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. I, I do, I do also think, um, 
college is what seems to have happened in college. It used to be that the like, you know, the kids that lived in uh, co-ops with their purple hair um, and their, you know, um, you know, polyamorous relationships or whatever were like the weird ones. And maybe now they're the more mainstream ones. And um, and and so now the weird ones are the ones that are running the Cornell Review. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I yeah, I'm not that, in college. That but feels yeah. cylindrical, though. I feel like that happens every right. 15 to 20 years. Like, it's just, all right, now the weird ones are in charge, and now they're not anymore. Yeah, Look, yeah, yeah, we, we popped up again. We rebranded or, or whatever. Yeah, We're right, straightening right, our right. hair. But it's, right. I mean, it is odd to still to put forward the idea that schools are, are nothing but these uh, just liberals running amok. Um, that is not really the case. I, I, I think it is a time where people are trying things out, but the idea that if you send your kid to a school, they're absolutely going to end up liberal is not true. I think there are too many schools that I'm like, mm. I'm looking at how everyone just dresses in their off time. Y'all are fairly conservative. Like no one is, right, 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 do yeah. you know what I mean? Just on a surface level. So I, I, I also agree that uh, it feels a little like, nah, that, that premise feels a little sweaty to me that it, that you yeah. have to come up with another, school. I mean, but I it may be like, I do. Th- I think the other, the other version of the premise is that, you know, like, do you guys remember the bag of fun that was Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, um, of the former president <laughs> of Iran? Mm-hmm. Um, he was coming to New York for the General Assembly, um, you know, which is a poppin' party in September's. Um, and world leaders come, they do their thing, whatever, and they tend, to, they, you know, often they'll go around and speak at different universities. So they were at Columbia, one of my other alma maters, and. And Mahmoud Ahmadinejad was invited to speak and a bunch of people protested the decision to ask him to speak. But then anyways, he spoke. And I I thought two things were great. One, that Columbia University invited this dude who who at the time was in so, so much, um, you know, uh, he he controlled a lot of the you know fear around international diplomacy with Iran. And it, it seemed like an important person to hear speak. And then the other thing that I was really happy about is that this the university created a space for people to protest it safely. You know, mm-hmm. both of those things can be true, that the thing happens and that people aren't happy about it. And both of those things are great, you know. So that's, I think, a little bit what we see happening. It's almost like I think we all need to refrain how we see speakers being protested as the speaker is being protested and that's awesome and still let them speak. And I think mm-hmm. a lot more people could come on board. It feels like we're just marketing the dissent incorrectly or something. I don't know. But Connor, you said you didn't think it's going to work. Um, what kind of people do you think this will attract? I mean, why why wouldn't this kind of university work? It just feel I mean, it just feels like a like a creating a bubble or, you know, an echo chamber where everyone with similar opinions are going to go and they're all going to be stroking each other's egos. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, no, nothing, no real world experience is going to be had. Like you said, like you can disagree with someone 
um, but still allow them to speak. And with anything, you listening to their argument only strengthens yours or your side or your opinion mm -hmm, by seeing mm -hmm. where they're coming from. And that's just also reality. And you're going to meet people you disagree with. So if you create sort of this this liberal think tank bubble or this isolated island, I don't think I don't think that's that's a healthy depiction of the world around us. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like you know, it it just seems like the pe they're going to attract the same 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 people of political thought. I think the notion, what is it, who was it, the, the Socratic notion that people are going to be, you know, standing around in their robes and just having different ideas and, and arguing and, and beautifully arguing, like that, I don't think is how it's going to go down because it will end up attracting some of the same people. That said, though, the there's something like a, a founding board and an advisory board and among, and I'm going to mix up the names, but there's a lot of luminaries. I mean, there's Harvard professors, there's other university deans and chancellors listed on here david mamet randomly um and and like i i i you know i know we're i'm i'm talking about this subject with two college dropouts and one weirdly college uh extre extremely pro college super person. fan super fan and it's funny because we talked about vocational learning mike we talked about vocational learning last week so this is like a an addendum subject um, and my, my main complaint with like my college experience is that there was not enough plumbing classes. Cause I would have loved to take one of those, right. There should just be some more vocational learning, like just straight up at college. You could get both best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, but which is not something that University of Boston is talking about for the record. They still just want the like your clean hands in a you know, and beautifully arguing Socratic um, ideals. Um, but, there, you know, it's not like every, there's a lot of people that are affiliated with this university that I think are you know, glittering members of, uh, you know, the intellectual elite people you might love. So it's not it's also possible um, that a couple of names like Barry Weiss have narrow cast this effort um, to make it seem like it's, you know, like it's going to be queuing on you, which I think is also, you know, a stretch or whatever. So um, I don't know. Shalewa, do you think it's going to final word? Do you think how you how do you think this is going to do? Well, I mean, if it's really just for thinking, what jobs are they getting out of this? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I love that your criticism it, is a practical one. Yeah, yes. I, I mean, I, it, the reason I dropped out of college was because I was like, this costs a lot of money and I'm going here for photography. Let me rethink <laughs> that. And in the meantime, go fold some shirts somewhere. Right, and right, right, right. So I, I, I just... It feels like this is just an extremely long bubble. We're just really, you know, the kind of people who are already going to populate and work in think tanks. Here are their kids going on to do that because I can't see anyone with any sort of practical looking at things practically looking at things like I need to get a job out of this because I need to get a job out of this will go to the school do you, do you right. know what I mean? Like, right. you're right. They could throw an HVAC or VCR TV repairman <laughs> guy in there, you know, but they won't. By the they way, it, just to be fair to this as yet undeveloped university, they want the tuition to be less than $30,000 a year and cited the, the rising cost of universities as one of its problems in addition to the censoriousness. Right. But are they going to recruit 
around people who also need college to be less than $30,000 right. a yeah, year? That's, I mean, they have a lot of ethical questions confronting them. I think that's a really good question because they had a very easy time getting their first, whatever, $10 million, and now they're mm-hmm. looking for $250 million. So if you've, you know, if you're if you've got it, that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it looks like it's kind of easy for them to raise the money. Now the question is, are they really going to get a student body uh, that makes sense? You know what? We're going to take a quick break and uh, hear about our sponsors. Whomst we love. Is that the right grammar? I learned it in college. Uh, and when we come back, we'll talk about other things. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by AuraFrames. That is right. Uh, From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an AuraFrame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these AuraFrames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an AuraFrame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back and ready for topic number two. So shit is happening. Uh, Joe Biden signed an infrastructure bill on Monday, uh, and I've been hearing talk about an infrastructure bill since we were all watching VHS tapes. I mean, this shit has been going on for years and years and years. And get this, this is the fucking crazy thing. I don't even feel like this gets enough attention. It is a bipartisan bill. 18 Republicans in the Senate voted on this. Or wait, was it 13? And I added the six from the other. Well, whatever. (laughs) Many over 10, over 10 Republicans. No, I think I have the real number somewhere else, and that's a typo. Oh, notes. I think it is 13. I think it's 13. 13. You know what? Typo, folks. Typo. 13. 13 Republicans in the Senate, or however many, voted on this. And it's basically revolutionary. I don't feel like we've been popping the Asti Spumanti enough about this bill. Um, Just my quick question is like, 
Do you feel like this is a big deal? How did the news land in your personal brain transom, Connor? I mean, I feel like like exactly what you said. This has been talked about for so long that even though, like even when I read the article that you sent over ahead of time, I was like, oh yeah, I thought it was passed a while ago. Or, oh yeah, I forgot that it hadn't <laughs> been officially passed because I thought it was right, passed because it went right. through the million stages the U.S. government has to go through to pass anything. Yeah. That I'm like, what is it again at this point? Because I know it's changed since the last time I read up on it. Yes, but it just it's just painfully long. So when it was passed, <laughs> honestly, I was like, woo. Right, yay, right, hey. right. It's like you're... Yeah, you had pre-gamed, and by the time the actual event came, you were, like, already done. A hundred percent, yeah. So, like, by the time it was out, I'm like, I keep forgetting this is, again, a trillion dollars. Like, a lot of money, a lot (laughs) of time, a lot of change, but it's just gone over my head the more I I hear about it, sadly, unfortunately. Shalewa? I mean, I... I agree with Connor. I was just like, wait, what? We we ain't done this yet. You know, I am. And I also am kind of like, when does this kick in? Like, great. We passed it. Finally. Wonderful. When am I going to see someone on these potholes? Like what yeah. exactly? Mm. What, can when, I, can when I give you some work? good news on that? Mm. Yeah. Governor Hochul of New York State already announced that to, that they're going to be using the pri- the money, part of the money to avoid a price change um, in the New York City subway bus and regional commuter rails. So you're already basically experiencing it because they were going to have to raise our prices and they're not going to. Well, that will be fantastic news to the new people I'm seeing on the train shooting heroin. <laughs> <laughs> I will only be happy once I can take that fast train from L.A. to New York. <laughs> right. That's when I'll that be is, happy. That's fantastic. When, that's wonderful. When we, when I we mean, have some goddamn trains in this country. That's all I yeah, want. Yeah, I want that. I want that, too. Absolutely. Let me, t- let me tell you guys a few things that are in this bill. Um, and I know they're talking about infrastructure isn't sexy, um, but it I I think it's sexy. You know what I mean? Infrastructure is sexy. Um, yeah, you don't know this is you know when you have a toddler and you go to a playground. No, Connor. Um, <laughs> so what happens? Look, what one experience I had in in you know very very recently was that they completely redid this entire park and playground, and we it was like walking into a wonderland you know as a parent i use the parks and playgrounds of new york city aggressively all the time you know i use utilize my taxpayer privilege of these parks and playgrounds and i love them and they're so important to me and they're so important to my family and to go into one that has been just completely redone with public funds and it's better and it's safer. It's just way more awesome. And it's so heavily, heavily utilized. So it really should be maintained. That's when infrastructure is fun and joyful. You know what I mean? Is that (laughs) feeling you get when you walk into a new park with your toddler? Um, Here's what you're going to get in this bill. 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations. There's tens of billions of dollars to improve access to broadband internet uh, and to replace hazardous lead drinking pipes uh guys because we're still drinking out of lead pipes in some cities 
there's good. There's uh, they're going to clear the uh, backlogs at the nation's ports. Actually, that money is already being spent. Right, the the whole supply chain nightmare. Like for example, they made some ports 24 hours. All that stuff is coming from this bill. Uh, tens of billions of dollars are being used to rebuild roads and bridges. That's the thing everybody thinks of, uh, and that is going to happen. They're going to upgrade freight and passenger rail systems. Hey, train between L.A. and New York. Um, and there's a bunch of money set aside for cleaning up environmental pollution, which I love. Uh, the cleanup, not the pollution. Um, <laughs> avoid, we're going to, uh, and again, I mentioned, you know, the, the, we're going to avoid the price change um, in, in New York City subways. As an example, um, that affects, you know, me and Shalewa, just the two of us. We're um, the only ones on there. <laughs> we're the mm-hmm. only ones. Um, so so I, I find it very exciting uh, I do just want to get into the politics of it a little bit because it's I think this is the part that's uh, crazy. So GOP members who voted for the bill. And as we said, there's 13 in the Senate, I believe. I can't believe I don't have the exact. It is 13. OK. And uh, they are possibly getting. Punished. So they're thinking of ways um, of punishing the people who voted for the bill by stripping them of their committee assignments. <laughs> So that's one way they're thinking of punishing the people who voted for the bill. And then another way that they're just generally being punished is like by death threats from constituents. Cute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just girly things. Love it. So cute. Oh, wow. Jesus. Wow. What is wrong with people? Mm. <laughs> I mean, here's the crazy thing, too. No one is talking about... They're just talking about why did you give Democrats a win? Or like the National Review called it political malpractice to have voted for this bill except for there's nothing it's political malpractice but they're not calling it a public policy malpractice because nobody thinks that we shouldn't fix all of those things right like everybody's like Mm -hmm. yeah dude like the bridge in my town is about to collapse like we need to do something about that that's real uh so that's not the complaint that anyone in the gop has it's literally just about you know doing something to give biden a win um what i mean what what what's going on i mean gop grand old party more like grand old petty am i right hey ladies and gentlemen i'm so sorry i fully expect a hook (laughs) to pull me out of here i shouldn't still be here but that's the level of joke they deserve you know what i mean and so you delivered it and i appreciate you very much yeah. Uh, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, do you how if you were a Republican, Connor, and you wanted to sell voting ah. for this, <laughs> what would you say? Ah, um, <laughs> I know. Sorry. I, I mean, again, again, it's, it's some, to me, it just seems so. Again, it's something that affects everyone. So I don't understand why why being bipartisan on specifically this issue is against your party in any way. Because it, it it directly affects, I I just don't understand how we got to this point where nothing can be bipartisan or nothing can be agreed upon, and then you are completely ostracized from your group for just purely agreeing. It, I I it's so it's extremely mean, girls. It's extremely yeah. just taking your ball and going home. Uh, it's yeah. and and I I <laughs> I don't know. You know, for a long time, people have said uh, politics is like wrestling, but this is like um, this is like a disagreement between 
someone who tailgates at a college football game but never went to the college and someone who is actually playing in the game. So the tailgaters are just furious that their team isn't winning, but it's like, you don't even go here. (laughs) You're not doing anything. You literally only show up to jeer at the other team and never to actually do anything. So um, that the way it's wild that um, it appears that Republicans, their whole plan is to just say, we're not doing anything because they want us to, and we're just not going to. And then the way that they issue punishment is to make it so that the ones who did do something can't do anything. Like it's just, it's a complete no, no one. Yeah. No one wins here. Yeah. Um, And it would be remiss if I didn't also point out that members of the progressive caucus did not vote for this bill, including AOC. What did you think of that, Connor? I will see that again. That's interesting to me that someone on our party didn't vote for it. Because I'm like, okay, you're free thinking individual who didn't want this for a specific reason, just as much as a Republican voted for it. Right? I'm who's like, a free that, thinking individual who wanted it for specific reasons? Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, that's that's more in, that's way more interesting or makes more sense to me of voting for something because you believe in it or don't believe in it. But for the part of of you know having some sort of consequences for making your decision. It, that part makes no sense to me at all. Like they have every right to vote for or against it, but having a consequence for doing one or the other is wild to me. Yeah, it's wild. Um, I, you know, I thought the vote against it was silly or, it, you know, it was, and it was oddly procedural. It's like, you know, are you in favor of the things that are in the bill? I mean, they, I think by and large were, they just felt like it didn't go in far enough. And then they also felt like it should have been coming in tandem with the uh, Bill Back Better bill. And there was just like mm-hmm. a weird procedural thing that I think was hard, is ultimately going to be difficult to explain to constituents when they're like, so you didn't want to rebuild that bridge or what? You know what I mean? Yeah. You voted again. Like, did you just not want to rebuild it? Like, can you explain that to me? And then to be like, but it should have been with this other bill. Like, that's I maybe that your principles or something there. But I don't I don't think that was like made sense. I don't think that made sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, OK. Well, I'm excited uh, for the ex- these expenditures and just to walk into these new playgrounds and bridges. <laughs> <laughs> and feel that new playground feeling, guys. I, I, I'm telling you, for, if you haven't experienced it, you will, and it's going to be fun. All right. This is me doing just straight up propaganda for the infrastructure bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like we Arts also need to all. like apl- we need to applaud functioning government and and be excited about the uh, the things that it can do to the tune of over a trillion dollars there are things that it can do you know what i mean for us right i don't know so i do feel like it needs some of that um we're only doing optimism here on fake the nation okay uh we're gonna move on to the next topic but before we do i want to thank people who have been leaving these five-star reviews on apple Podcasts. you guys i'm so heartened by this um a moonchin g uh gave us five stars said dedicated to nagin smiley face emoji uh heart headphone emoji and this one's critical bell emoji because for those of people who know the show they know the bell something that taco bell has and fake the nation has 
A very critical bell. Uh, Grand Duchy gave us five stars and said, appointment listening, OMG, Nagin, I very much identify with the conversation regarding scheduling time with friends. I was like, uh a pod we had some while back. I love the podcast. I make sure to listen every week because I love the content and topics. Thanks so much, five stars. Oh, that's such a wonderful review. Thank you. And um, please keep the reviews coming because it really, really helps people find the show. It is a part of the algorithm game that everybody is playing up in this internet. Connor is vigorously nodding his head <laughs> because he knows about that algorithm game. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, gr- grizzled mm-hmm from Connor. Okay, so now let us move into topic number three. So in this segment, we dig into the soft, recycled cotton tote with adjustable straps and interior pocket division that is the cultural grab bag. Today's first item, Britney Spears is free, bitch. The conservatorship is over. It only took several years. Um, Connor, what did you make of this news? Thank God. I'm glad it actually happened and it wasn't it wasn't like the infrastructure deal and it took <laughs> decades and decades and decades. <laughs> you know, like it, it was actually refreshing to see action finally being taken and then it, it it you know, justice being served relatively quickly from the moment that it really hit mainstream media. Um so yeah, I was just really happy for her. Yeah, me too. Um Shalewa, what'd you think? I mean, huh, okay. We did it, right? We did it. We got it. We got it done. And uh-huh. uh, and I am thrilled for her. And I want us all to keep an eye on her because mm-hmm. she's been through a very traumatic experience, mm-hmm. uh, one that I don't even think we fully understand because this is kind of our first time really learning about conser- conservatorships and things yeah. like that. And so I want us to keep an eye on her. I want her to get the kind of help that she needs beyond like, here are your car keys and here is your ATM, you know. I want her to also like really like deal with the, um, I mean, this was family that did that to her. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I, I... I not that I am a worry wart, but I am a worry wart. So I just want her <laughs> to get get the full amount of help. And also, yeah. and I don't know if this is a deep cut for anyone who's a, a hardcore Britney person, because I'm not a hardcore Britney person. So I don't know if this is controversial to say this or not. But where's Felicia? Bring Felicia back. Felicia was like her right hand man oh, when she right. was. Uh, young and out there and her parents yeah. couldn't be with her all the time. She was in the, the documentary. She was, she documentary. was in the documentary and was just kind of like so sweet. And when I saw her before she started speaking in the doc, I was like, there's Felicia. Because I remember seeing her on like MTV right next to Britney and like the diary of or whatever. And I'm like, bring Felicia back. Felicia is going to keep an eye on her. Yeah. And make sure no, she's fed. I like that. I agree. <laughs> so I, 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 I just Felicia want, back. Yeah. I just um, want a, a nice handler for her. Yeah. <laughs> I look, I don't know anything about her. And I, I only I just watched the documentary and just we vaguely talked about this um, in the broader context of conservatorships. Uh, and I wonder, do we just need to make a documentary about every man, woman and child who is in an abusive conservatorship relationship in order for their conservatorships <laughs> I mean, to be addressed? Um, so we might I, be moving I, in that direction. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, it is great that like this thing opened it up for for this conservatorship uh, 
thing that on the average American knows nothing about, right? I didn't know mm-hmm. any really anything about it until the you know this um, documentary, until the Free Britney movement or whatever. Also, last thing about this, I just googled what is her net worth, and apparently, I mean, according to the internet, did you Google mm-hmm. it? Um, it's sixty million dollars, and it I, should be so much more, so right? much more. It yes. feels like that was a mishandling of her net worth by the yeah. conservatorship, yep. which sucks. Not that, look, hey, $60 million, great. You're good. You're fine. Um, mm-hmm. But I just was like, Britney Spears, world-famous Britney Spears, that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It Not should be all. much more. Uh, okay. Now let us move on to uh, the next uh, piece in the cultural grab bag. We read a piece in the New York Times called The Art of Botox, and it made the case that our acceptance of Botox has like evolved. Uh, we used to sort of think of, of Botox as like this gaudy thing happening to the waxen faces of mid-aughties real housewives, right? But now we're sort of looking at it as like, oh, look at that flat immovable forehead, uh, you know, that woman got work done. She's so empowered. Uh, do you feel like Botox has had an evolution, you know, in how it's perceived? Shalewa? No, not in this house. No, <laughs> sir. No, ma'am. Mm-mm. Not me. Not with me. <laughs> I don't. I mean, not that I thought anyone who got it done was a freak. Um, but my problem is I now can't tell how old anyone is. Because if you're younger and you get it, you look like an older person trying to look younger. Yeah. So now I'm like, I have no idea who you are. That's and that, true. And so it's when just the a young complete, ladies get it at like 25, you suddenly they end up look 60 to me. Weirdly older. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So true. So I I I, 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 I can't I can't figure it out. And um I I certainly like it is something I'm at an age where I apparently by these new rules should have been thinking about this 20 years ago. Mm, and I'm yes. like, well, it's it's too late now. I got lines. I, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, but it, I don't I don't know. I guess it is a, t- a type of like evolution, sis- solidarity, sister and all of that. But it still to me makes everyone look the same. And now I can't tell any of the new girls, quote unquote, pop girls, pop singers, uh, rappers, like there's a huge female rapper, like just, a, a, there's just a, a, so many of them. And I honestly can't tell them apart because of the, the work is the same as there's just a face apparently that we've all agreed upon. And now I can't, I can't tell them apart. And I mean, do what you want, you know, on a feminist tip, but give me a, give me a sign, a wear a name tag. I can't tell who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So uh, Connor, the article made this claim that the internet has conscripted us into the construction and manipulation of our own images so that the idea of wearing some kind of mask, whether through plastic surgery, Instagram filters, online avatar, cloak of irony, no longer reads as unnatural, but rather as broadly relatable. What did you make of that claim in the uh, piece? I love I love this topic. I find it so thoroughly interesting because I think that there are so many things at play here with, um, you know, like the recent rise of the, the body positivity movement yeah. and, you know, taking... Um, control of yourself, whether it is that you want to stay the same, whether you want to change, no matter what it is, you know, it's up to you and people are supporting that and uplifting that. And if you don't, 
witch hunt down with you. Um, (laughs) And I think that that met with the plastic surgery. I'll I'll call it a, you know, maybe a trend or I'll call it like a rising trend where people are starting to get plastic surgery. So now it met with the body positivity movement of that it's no longer okay to shame someone for getting um, plastic surgery, or it's no longer, I should say, the norm to do so, to call it out. It's just, it's you taking um, power over your body and making a decision, and that's great. So it's an interesting kind of cultural phenomena that now they're all pairing together. But where where I start to find issue with all of it is exactly what we were just talking about, in that at, at a certain point, you're almost up, you're almost more so uplifting people for changing themselves and trying to meet a, a societal yeah. standard or a new societal standard to the point where they may not even realize they're only doing it, they're only participating in these these trends or these surgeries because they don't even realize that they're trying to look like something that, that they've seen yeah. online. Yeah. And it's like it's this strange It's world so that strange. Exactly. In. It's like yeah. yeah, you go girl, female, you know, empowerment, do what you got to do and s- and underneath that is, and the thing you got to do is have this p- specific beauty standard. <laughs> so it's like, I get, you know, I get it. I get all of it. I get the pressure. I get, you know, I'm in show business. I totally fucking get it. Totally. Um, I also, you know, and then, and, and then I also get body positivity is both about being okay with however someone looks, but then also being totally okay that someone is trying to completely change themselves to look a specific. It's very weird, and uh, we haven't come to the other side of it. Like we haven't settled on on what is makes like ethical sense around this. I, mm-hmm. I don't feel that we have. And then you look at someone like Frances McDormand, and she's just like heralded for having done nothing. But then you wonder. Would the industry sustain more than one Frances McDormand? Mm-hmm. Because I don't, all the A-list celebrities who get a ton of stuff done, they talked about Nicole Kidman a bunch in this article. I don't know if they would if they would let Nicole Kidman do a bunch of jobs if she didn't look, you know, perfect. And I that is actually kind of fascinating to me because I feel like this is really the first time that we're see, seeing like feedback on Nicole Kidman's work done. And she's been getting work done for a while and she's been acting that whole time. And so I feel like her roles are now just women with a with a very icy women. And I and I watched a a movie of hers from the 90s recently. My roommate came through and was like, who is that? And I'm like, that's (laughs) Nicole Kidman. And he's like he was captivated. He was like, she's just so animated. And I'm like, yeah. She, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like she's that's, been frozen yeah, by a toxic that's, material. That's what's underneath there, and I know she's a great actress. She's one of my favorites, but it's mm-hmm. also I feel like this is the first time that we, and it may be because she's playing someone that society has decided has been has always been wacky. Therefore, needs to have more move. You know what I mean? Movement in her face and right, like like we already had another a, a standard that um, all the various standards that we have outside of just like perfection, there is also like, oh, if you're a woman who does comedy, yeah, you need to be, you need to look something of a mess. 
Because right. Why like else you, would you do this? You you have you you have to like look great, but a little also, bad. A little bad, yeah. Right, and, and that's yeah. I think you know there because you see that in comedy, right? We're like, oh, like I don't, you know, whoever famous comedian um, playing, you know, lead doing a lead of a rom com. Is like she's, you know, obviously beautiful, but like with a little something that's wrong. And like that is, is I think, strategically maintained. And it's so mm-hmm. weird. But I guess maybe as comedians, like it gives me a little bit of room or something. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah, guys, I, I'm going to keep this nose because it's my one, <laughs> you know, weird thing. <laughs> so uh, I yeah. hate how this has been placed to all on, all on women. And I hate how this is been you know there's this whole this now new standard of like oh they're aging so well look how well they're aging as if that means absolutely anything like what does it mean to age well also what is like what's the harm in looking like you're aging we Mm -hmm. are aging Mm -hmm. newsflash we're all decaying right now (laughs) i would love to hear nicole kidman kidman's knees when she gets up in the morning (laughs) (laughs) Like you can't, uh, no matter how much work she's getting done, I, she can't tell me that she doesn't make a little noise every time she sits down and stands up. Just, oh, ugh, of course. Ugh, ugh. Oh, uh, and not to pick to. on Nicole Kidman because nope. every, every one of these ladies has done all of these things. It's just the article really fixated on her, but yes. And it's funny too that it's all fixating on women because all the Hollywood men have had it done too. Yeah, like, there are so yeah. many of them that have had it done, but of course totally. it's the it's so subtle. And I'm like, why are we right. praising the subtlety of it too? It right. really... I know. Then just don't do it. Like, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think actually yeah. that that's what seeing this rise of Botox has helped me do is identify it in mm. faces that I wouldn't have been looking for it before. But now I can look at it, and it's mostly men. I can look at men and go, ah, ha ha. Like Jeff Bezos got a little fresh up before he went close to space. Um, <laughs> he totally <laughs> Botox his whole face out. And I was like, "That no one's going to see you, bruh. Like you're mm. in space. But, you know, <laughs> you want to come back with a fresh face. Um, Well, the last little um, piece of news in the cultural grab bag is that Sesame Street has been on for more than 50 years. And now for the first time, it's introducing an Asian-American Muppet. Ji Young is a guitar-playing Korean-American character um, who's going to bring rock music into the conversation, um, uh, conversation about race. Um, and, uh, and, and just she'll be fun. Uh, I was actually surprised that they didn't already have an Asian American Muppet. I also was like, then thinking, cause I watched Sesame Street with my little girl and I sometimes, and I looking at these characters, I'm like, oh, I didn't even really, uh, I'm sort of like not thinking about race when I'm looking at them. <laughs> so what did you, what did you think when you heard the news? I thought the same thing where I was like, oh, the, like, I guess about time or like, wow, yeah. pra- pra- praise them for doing nothing in a way because yeah. it's like it should have been done. But then I thought the same thing where I'm like, wait, but they're Muppets. They're not humans. Why am I praying? What? Yeah, no, it, exactly. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I mean, this is great. But also, did <laughs> were they like heavily race based before? 
Yeah, what race is Cookie Monster a big bird? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I just was like, uh, like just a little, uh, but again, I think it's great. And it's a wonderful show and I support it. And like I said, my, you know, my kid watches it. So Shalewa, yeah. what'd you think? Well, you know me, I'm branded. You know, I, you know, I got the Sesame Street tattoo. So here's what I do. I have, I have a Sesame Street tattoo of of the street sign. So I think the reason that it wasn't necessarily a concern early on is because of the way the show was set up. So the show was kind of set up, I, I believe with the thinking of we're going to speak to kids in like black neighborhoods, kind of, right? Uh, kids who live on a stoop. But for all the other kids who are watching across the country, we will have video, you know, little video clips of what yeah, other they go around things the country. are like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, the show has changed a lot in how they've put it together since then. But early on when they were like, developing it was a very urban show it yeah. was it was an urban show but they also weren't necessarily thinking of races because they had like a bunch of clips of everything that they could show you around the country so yeah it's which like they still do. we didn't they have show to you yeah which they the do yeah so i don't think their mindset uh 20 or 30 years ago was we need an asian muppet i think it was like oh we've got these clips of a Korean family doing this or a Chinese family doing this. Yeah, because there's or an been Indian and also family one of the main this. the main human actor people on the show is a- Asian American or one that I've seen mm-hmm. on many episodes um, is a longtime right. um, actor on the show is, is Asian American. And so that's all you know, it's like we it's not like we haven't seen right Asian people on the show. But that said, I I you know, I, I obviously think this is great. I also think you know, like my kid is black, a black Iranian Muslim. And mm-hmm. there's, you have to get real granular to represent right. everyone. And you're not going to. Like she had, I mean, my kid has to wait her turn for many years for that kind of character to appear. <laughs> and that's okay. Like it's okay to me that like she's going to see a bunch of other diverse characters. Like it, I, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about my own childhood. Like, I grew up watching a lot of, like, black sitcoms. You know, Cosby mm-hmm. Show, I know, whatever, problematic now. But a, a Different World was one of my favorites, favorites, favorites. And I think I really gravitated towards to those shows because it wasn't that I needed to see an Iranian on screen, although that's obviously awesome and I would love to see more of those. Hey, I'm available. But... I I needed to, it was just good to see other minorities, like the minority experience represented by this mm-hmm. one big minority group. You know what I mean? So I, I, uh, I think this is awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, yeah. Just, I, I mean, they, I honestly, I think they didn't start, uh, I, I, I blame it on the age of Elmo. Um, I think they didn't start like thinking of things where they're labeling, like we need to have an autistic Muppet we need to have like all of that seemed to happen over the past like 15 years I mean just last year there was a a whole thing about uh, a new Muppet like a a black a little black boy Muppet with his dad and and I can't even remember what the deal was that maybe he was his it was a single father or something Uh like that and Uh I was just like yeah but I mean like remember you know 20 years ago you put out the video of the black the girl black Muppet singing about her hair. And it's like, I'm like, y'all been doing this. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, why yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. like in a weird way, I, I feel like they're like, okay, we, now we have a checklist. 
Like, I feel right. like, we, we, like they yeah. need to yeah. adhere to a checklist because people are saying we're not being seen. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's going to work if they, you know, they will have to get more and more granular. But then again, they got Sesame Streets all over the world. So right, like exactly, yeah. So yeah, it's not, like yeah, maybe we just got to go there or something. Exa- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I don't mean to criticize anybody. I think this is fantastic. Obviously. Yeah, I think it's great. It is. Just, yeah. yeah, it is great. But I, I, I also know, was like, just kind of like, well, all right, that okay. So this one is labeled as such so that there's no confusion there's a right yeah i yeah. guess Connor, i, I can only assume say? that's what why you say in the in the wake of like me sounding like a heinous mean meanie like critic <laughs> i'm not i like totally think it's awesome but connor save the segment and close it off for us no that's exactly what i was gonna say i'm like at the i'm like at the end of the day it's fantastic you know representation is deeply important especially in in media for younger people where they weren't even like you know maybe they weren't even necessarily consciously looking for it but to have it there from the very beginning uh i think can really you know do wonders for a young mind um but then i was also gonna say like who am i to talk i'm a white cis male (laughs) i've seen myself every in every mirror around the world (laughs) so so i'm good let's pass the baton yeah 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 yeah. no totally um yeah okay folks uh tell me what you think about any of these topics from the cultural grab bag um shalewa connor that is the end of the show i am so happy that you were here with me today this was so fun and i would love for the people of fake the nation to be able to find all of the stuff that you do shalewa where do they do that uh i'm on um pretty much all of the social medias uh the important ones anyway at silky jumbo uh all one word traditional spelling and um but really what is your handle on parlor well, that's what everybody wants to know. <laughs> it's Silky Jumbo with a zero. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, where do they find you? Um, I am also on all the social media platforms at Connor Franta, N-N-O-R, the right way to spell it. Mm-hmm, Ding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can you can pre-order my, or you can order, I guess, my new book at ConnorFrantaBooks.com. Go pick up a copy anywhere books are sold. Um, and I, and let's not forget to remind them about your album, um, Shalewa. I forgot to force oh, you yeah. to tell to, <laughs> to tell everyone it. about my album. Uh, I've got I've got a couple of albums. I have one called Stay Eating Cookies, and I have one called So You Just Out Here. And uh, if you are in the New York area, keep your eyes peeled. I have a solo show called Don't Reach in the Bag that I'm doing all over the place whenever I can. <laughs> oh my gosh, so busy. Both of you are so remarkable. And as for me, you all know where to find me on all of the social medias that we should be avoiding. Uh, but please also um, think about supporting the show at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. You can support the show for as little as $1, but for as little as $4, um, which if you think about it is just one times four, uh, you can, <laughs> you'll get bonus episodes um, of the show. And this, uh, this week we just posted a bonus episode uh, with a list of ways that adults waste money. It turns out I do all of those ways. Um, but we also figured out that the list may say more about the list maker and how he may not have any joy in life. I'm not sure. You tell me what you think by going to patreon.com slash Farsad um, and subscribing to the Patreon and supporting the show. Uh, thanks so much for people who keep posting to Apple Podcasts. Keep them coming. As I mentioned,
mentioned, I'm also going to be on the Doughboys podcast this week, which is um, another HeadGum pod. So uh, check out Doughboys. It's a really fun podcast, and we review uh, the restaurant Capitol Grill, and it was a time, I'm telling you. Um, but what I would really like to do is thank all the people that make our show a possibility. That is our wonderful producer, uh, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our fantastic audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, everyone at HeadGum who makes this show possible. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. And uh, you can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. If you have any ideas for segments or, or panelists or any ideas at all, you can, um, you can again, join the Patreon for bonus content. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.